Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to a special episode of Kulluna Tuhaf. Um, today I have a very, very special guest with me, uh, of course, for a very special episode. And um, I'm just going to allow him to introduce himself and like what you do, pretty much. Wow, okay, special, special guest. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, my name is Muhammad uh, Sultan. Um, I'm the man behind Vintage Libya. And uh, and a man behind North Africa, obviously, and that's it on a download right now. But yeah, that's me. That's the that's the person behind Vintage Libya. A tribe called Mo, the legend himself. And a tribe called Mo, yeah, true. A tribe called Mo, <laughs> so follow that. Follow that. Follow your tribe called Mo, please. I beg. So, um, uh, from from what I've heard from a lot of people is that you've started to do research um, on the history of Libya and yeah. the culture of Libya, like Shin Khalak Adir Hada. Like, what inspired you to do all of that? Where should I, yo, like, where should I begin with this? It's a mix of everything, you know? Like, to, to be 100 with you, basically, back in the day, like, when we were growing up, like, obviously, we knew we're Libyan and we knew everything, who we are, our yeah. identity, our culture, etc. But, um, like, there came a time when we, you get lost a little bit. You don't know who you are, really, like, fully like that. And um, my mum was going through it, had a little identity crisis and then <laughs> and then obviously sometimes you just want to reconnect to your culture understand your What's culture up? more and I always felt like I always felt like there was so much missing from my culture that we didn't know I feel like our culture when you when you speak about Libya just politics just politics yeah. and it's just yeah. history like culture like to find out like like we obviously know like in Saban like you know who you actually are because you're living abroad you're Libyan you're Canadian you're Britannian you know you're going to get rid of the exactly you're kind of lost between the UK Libya like you know, you're just you're trying to figure out who you are in it but I guess at the end of the day just leave it how it is and just try to find your way you'll, you'll find it you'll find it I guess yeah but um, but, um how I found out like how not say I found out but it's one of them I wanted to understand Libyan history more. And I always felt like there's so much missing. And it's always, you talk about Libya, you have to mention a figure or you have to mention a certain head. Like, we're more than that. Libya is yeah. way more than that. You get me? Libya is history upon history. You get me? So, um, so I was like, I always felt like our history began Italian colonization. That's why I always had that vibe. It's like, Amr Mukhtar, Malik Idris, then Gaddafi, and then revolution. And that's our history. I have always felt like this. Is that it? Nafsik bizzabit. Is it there more? Yeah. So that's the thing, like because I feel like it's because of what we're what we learned. Like obviously Makuna Sahirin, like Ummi Bui Hatuli film as the Saharam ta Amu Mukhtar Anthony Quinn. And there's problems within that movie as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's crazy. There's problems within that movie as well. Like even our history, yeah. Not to be, not to try to say everything in our history is all, um, um, all the facts are wrong or whatever, or it's all lies. But there's certain things that, that show to us that are not really how it really was at the time. There's so much within our history that's been changed. You know what I mean? And uh, Amar Mukhtar is one of them. Like within that movie, people who know their history and people who, especially the older generation, they will tell you that there's so much of it that's false because, um, because, of, that, because of political reasons as well. Um, for Hollywood reasons. Yeah, oh, exactly. They have to. They have to. They have to. 
Like there's no recognition of the son of Sia. And when they do recognize the son of Sia, they paint them as these traitors who went and left Omar Mukhtar and told them, child, we're going to Egypt to go chill. Like they, they, the way they paint it to, to the Libyans, and then Libyans have that thing where they, for like 30 years or whatever, they just, they know their history through this, um, through this mm. movie, which we all did. And you think, oh, Il Ghriyan is a, is a pagan, this guy left Omar Mukhtar, and then that's it, they just stuck with you, you know what I mean? It's yeah. crazy, I'm telling you. Fanta um, did yeah, from uh, Fanta. You went and like you did, like from from all those like identity crisis problems about then. Yeah, you did your own research. Yeah, then should you get? Went, yeah, so I went through the research. Went through, well, I, I just realized how deep our history is, and how diverse our country is too. Um, Libya is just is our coast is the longest coast in the Mediterranean. That's one thing. That was the first thing I found out. I was like, no way is that. Is that what <laughs> You know what I mean? And our hit like we're just a mix of everything. Arabs, Amazir, uh, Tebu, Awarag, and um people who ask them in Endalus, people ask them in, in uh Turkish. Like it's just a mix. The country yeah. is a mix. And you can't just put it into one label or just label it as an Arab country or label it as this or label it as that. Libya is Libya. Libya is more than anyone could ever imagine in it. So I feel like um, that's with the North African countries in general. They always label us yeah. as Af- they always label us as Arabs. When in reality, fi like bedat from uh, like speaking Egypt broha, like in from Maghreb, yeah. from Mauritania all the way to to Libya, yeah. you have different colors, different races, different everything. You know, different languages, like. Amazighi filimi fil fil gharb different than Amazighi fil sharq fil north different than the south you know yeah dialects are different cultures are different. different words are different D- diverse culture as well there's certain yeah. things that people do in the east as that the south doesn't do and there's stuff that people do and do in the west that, that you know what I mean like it's yeah. such a diverse country and there's so much to learn I'm telling you to this day I'm still learning every day I'm learning something new like to think I might have vintage video on this page, I'm half like, okay, uh, <laughs> I've, I've learned everything, I'm good now. I'm good. Now it's my turn to teach Libyans about their history. No, it's not like that at all. If anything, I'm learning along the way with everyone else, you know what I mean? And that's how it feels like, it's crazy. That's why every day I buy a new book, I read something new, I read a new article, and it's just, you just realize, sometimes it gets um, kind of, um, it gets um, overwhelming sometimes. You just think, wow, like this is all our, History and culture. Trabis itself, Trabis itself, and its history is is crazy. It's crazy. There's so much inspiration from everywhere. That's the thing. Like yeah. Trabis, Trabis dates back to ancient, like ancient Greece, like yeah. Triple Tripolitania. Yeah, like it yeah. goes, oh, yeah, yeah. it goes way, way back. Hatta ancient yeah. Italy. Like there's there's so much in depth that like. The thing is with with vintage Libya, what you, what you did is inta yeah. you took the first steps, but then Jma Abdu like inspired by you, Famta Cave. Yeah. Like, like yeah. look at the shoe. <laughs> I, I recently posted the shoes. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But the shoes someone okay. donated to you, because like look, oh, you've yeah. inspi- you've changed the entire entire vision of what I'm how people you, see us. Yeah, I'm telling you, my brother, Subhanallah, like. Sometimes I think I think about this page and I say to myself, yeah, it's just a page that I like and it's something that I do as a hobby, it's something that I love, isn't it? But then I realized that the impact it has is way bigger than me. 
because people DM me every day like, oh, how did you buy this, this book? Where can I buy it? Like people started to realize that you can buy vintage Libyan stuff online. You can collect old books. You can read online about our history. And it's just getting people more interested into the details of our culture. What's been missing? What's this that we don't know? Let's revive this. Let's bring this back. You know what I mean? So that's the best thing to buy. Um, even like people, they'd be doing like um, shoots. Um, oh, inspired by vintage Libya. There's this girl, I think she's based in America or Canada. She did this shoot and she was like, oh, I wanted to use one of your posts because it inspired me to do this shoot with this girl. She's, uh, it, went, it went viral, if anything. Um, and just seeing all these things, it just, it just motivates me, keeps me going, keeps me going. What was yeah. the first uh, topic like that you researched? Was it traditional clothing or what was it? You know what it is? Don't, don't really, don't, I'd say the first thing I actually researched was um, I began with Italian colonization. And um, I remember doing this thread time ago, this is ages ago. I did this thread about um, the devotees the Libyan deportees that they, they sent to the Italian uh, penal colonies, right. uh, colonies um, these islands. And I never knew this. I was like, how, like no one told, told us about this. No one taught us this. How does no one know about this? Like Libyans, thousands of Libyans were sent to these islands and died there. You know what I mean? These, yeah. these uh, fighters, Mujahideen, and there's, there's prisons on the island of, um, I, I believe even on Sicily, by the way. Yeah. Women were sent there and died there in prison. Sheikh Qabatil was sent there and died there. Sunusi heads were, were sent there and died there. You know what I mean? The amount of, there's like mass graves over there. And I don't see a documentary. I don't see hardly any books about it, hardly any research about it. There's one or two books about it. And the books that you do find, it's an Italian book and it's been whitewashing the whole history. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's mad. Our history, there's so much to uncover. There's so much research that we should be doing. And I feel like people are doing it. I'm not going to lie. There are people that are doing it more, especially now. But um, yeah, it began with Italian colonization and the crimes that, that took place under the Italian rule. That's where it started. And then I started venturing out. I started going past Italian colonization, going to the Ottoman period, the Karamelli period, which loads of the stuff within the Medina Qadima to this day stand is during the, Karam uh, the Karamelli period, which is when Brabus and Libya started to actually boom then. But, um, there's so much even like during um, uh, when the Spaniards took over as well of Tripoli and the massacre that took place in Tripoli and the siege in Tripoli when the Ottomans tried to free Tripoli from uh, the Knights of um, what are they called the Knights of uh, Rhodes um, but yeah there's, I'm telling you there's so much so much history so much and then nowadays I feel like I'm more like I do I'm still interested in the history but I feel like I've been more into the culture as well. So our clothing, our jewelry, our silver, all these things. So is when you started to research about clothing, is that what inspired uh, your like North of Riqiya? To be honest, with uh, North North Africa, that began. It was just an interest because um, it started off with like Shabir. I saw my boy wear. And I was telling them, oh, I want one of those. I want to rock it. And it was the time when I was trying, people were trying to show their culture in it, trying to show right. where you're from. But you're trying to flex a little bit. Way. Yeah, you're trying to flex <laughs> a little bit. You don't, you know, we don't want to be getting them up with a t-shirt slapped in the middle, Libyan flag. You don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it ain't, it ain't that deep. I ain't trying to force Libyan down your throat like that. 
But um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was I was like I was better interested in the Kishabia from day. Like yeah, I used to see my cousins back home wear it as well. So I was like, oh man, I need to get me one of these. And then I bought one. I got one. My boy went to Masrata, innit? My boy, uh, Ibsdev. Shout out to Ibsdev. He went and bought me one. He came back from, from Masrata and he, he got me. I'm telling you, I wore it every day at uni. Yeah? And every man just stopped me. Where do you get this from? Where do you buy this? People that weren't even North African were interested. Like, where do you get this from? This is nice. That's when I thought to myself, you know what? There's actual demand and there's actual people that are willing to buy this. and want to know more about this. So that's where it started. It popped off from there. But um, right now, it's gone quiet. <sighs> we're working behind the scenes. We're doing things. We're trying to come back bigger and better, inshallah. But um, yeah, that's what inspired it, to be honest. And it is, it's just like you said as well, it's from our culture. The thing is right now, how I'm trying to do it more is Libyan culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to bring little details within our culture and bring it through North Africa. Um, yeah. So there's loads of little details I'm trying to put out there, which you guys, you, you will see soon. You will see soon, so yeah, inshallah. But yeah, it's all this vintage, vintage Libya and North Africa. I'm trying to connect them too. I'm trying to bring them together. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the that's the thing that's trying to happen. Right <laughs> yeah. You're two different ventures on opposite yeah. sides, pretty much. Yeah, blocks. exactly. Because I have exactly. I have I have a lot of people. Like when I was like I I I told people I was like inshallah like on Friday I'm recording uh, with Muhammad like we're doing the yeah. episode and they're like lo samahat. Please, Gula, you're a jolly North Africa, Nebu, Nebu Hashabiati, Rajaham, Losama. Yo, I appreciate the love, you know. Shout out to all of them, by the way. Because most time I thought to myself, you know what, people forgot about me. They probably thought, oh, this wash, no, no. get him. <laughs> so I, 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 I forgot about this again. <laughs> I was like, oh, whatever, man. No, I'm, I'm glad there's still people remembering, man. And hopefully, we'll come back better. For the people who know, yeah. <laughs> For the people who know, you used to buy the love. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. I used to sell flipping Shabiyas, yeah, and put them in brown, in flipping black bin bags. I used to send them off. I am cheeky for that, by the way. My packaging was zero. Not even zero. Minus five, bro. That packaging was disgusting. You know what I mean? I apologize. We're coming big, better, bigger and better, hopefully. Inshallah. <laughs> the packaging will be better. Trust me, you're going to get a card and stuff. You're going to Talk a little bit about the the history of traditional clothing because I feel like you've done. I like at one yeah. point I remember you doing a thread on the differences between the different Dal Arbiyat and things like that. So yeah. what what research yeah. have you done on that? Like, can you speak about it a little bit? Yeah, so I t- I'll tell you about that. So basically, what happened? Yeah, I was on I was on Facebook, and you know if you ever go on my Facebook, yeah, I swear to God, it's all old Libyan geezers, all of them, <laughs> all, of them, all of them old Libyan men. I swear to God, that's the only people are friends. And uh, the old generally Libs the Yelbas Fiha is crazy. He comes with these colors, yeah. And a 10 out of 10. Everything he wears, this guy's my inspo, by the way. If people think <laughs> I'm wearing the stuff one like old men on Facebook that I'm getting my inspiration from. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's this old Libyan guy. <laughs> so there's this old Libyan guy, and he's on, he's on, he's on Facebook. And he's on uh, Zawaya Trabasiya. And this guy's going on a rant. Okay. You know when you know how they do the national um, what's it called? The national um the national uh, Libyan um, dress day. 
Yeah. Is, I think it's in January or Feb, I'm not sure. And basically, um, he was going on a run. He was like, he was like, man, I don't know He was going on a mad one. I'm thinking, why is this guy going crazy? That guy turned out to be a maker Framen back in the day. He used to make Framen back in the day when they used to make them Framen. They still do. Some of them still do, but that was back in the day when it popped it. And he knows every nagsha and every material and how everything should look like. And I was asking him questions and telling him, oh, how do I know the difference between this? What's this called? What's that called? This man was a... Was... A pioneer. Was a, oh, my God. This guy, the knowledge he had was unbelievable. I was just taking notes, taking notes, learning from him. And there's like, he was telling me how like, the ones that you see today, so the ones that you see most men wearing today, unfortunately, yeah, they're all made in Egypt. Okay? Yeah. Tunis. Yeah. Tunis, we don't even get made in Tunis, to be honest. You know? Really? Well, like the only two places that really make Aframan or the whole bedla, it's Egypt, uh, the Skandaria to be, to be exact, yeah, and China. <laughs> China. <laughs> I'm telling you, my bro, China are making our stuff, bro. It is so peak and sad. I'm telling you, and the thing is, the Chinese ones, you can just tell off the bat it's Chinese. Straight off, you just look at it, you think, yeah, that's Chinese. You can tell. Trust me, when you start looking onto the details, you'll start realizing. So anyway, the Egypt one is the most um, common one that we have right now. And what it is, when you look at the farm that there, the basic farm that we have nowadays, it's um, within the, the chest area. Mdora is weird for me. Mdora is the next year. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that's, that's his actual name. And um, it got, and ever since um, artisans and um, our makers started decreasing, craftsmanship started decreasing in Libya, it started getting sent off to Egypt. And Egypt, labor there, and I think it's much cheaper than Libya, and materials right. are cheaper. So everything started getting made over there. But it lost that touch. I'd rather pay more for something that's made by Libyan hands, handmade, than made in Egypt. Why not support our own people back right. home in Libya? Why don't we support the makers back home in Libya and realize the difference? Even what you're wearing, you need to realize that you're, what you're wearing is actually Libyan Libyan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bizarre. You should take pride in that. That's something important too. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, it, are they made in, in Egypt? Are they made by hand? Or is it like, um, so, Makina? Yo, so, so basically, some of them are made by hand, yeah? But majority are made by Makina. Majority. Mm. All that is gas, by the way. <laughs> if it's not made full yet, it's not the one I'm telling you. There is, I'm not going to lie to you, there is some place, there's this place called Yaqub, and it's in, uh, it's in Iskandaria. This place is OG, by the way. This, that's one place I can tell you. In Egypt, that was 10 out of 10, because Malik Idris, uh, Sidi Idris, back in the day, he used to get made there. That's where he used to get his, his uh, daily, handmade, fully there. That's one of the few places. But the majority right now, the Sugul Magharb, I think it's called in Skandaria. They all make them, uh, machine made or half half. And in Negsha, it looks bad. And the Hatas, we had some it used to be on where around the around the neck. There's this thing called the Nawara, I believe it's called. Nawara, I believe, yeah. That used to be a part of the farm. Nowadays, you don't see it no more. But old Rabilsi uh, or old Libyan in general, uh, Framen used to have it. Nowadays, they don't. And that can from the what's this one? I think the one there was another one called the uh, uh I believe there's one it's my next sad. You see, the next to sad one that was famous in the Sharq. You know, what I mean, there's even a difference between the east and west, yeah, from left and uh, and Zbun. 
there's a difference. You know what I mean? The neck share, how where it reaches to the to the elbow, all of this, all of these things, there's differences. You know what I mean? You they, that's how you realize that even in our farm and in other, there's there's diversity. It's crazy. I'm telling you, it's crazy. Is there a reason behind the differences between the Sharq and the Gharb? Well, uh, is it just because it just I feel like it just comes down to fashion and taste. It just right. becomes what what is what became fashionable for a city. And it just spread around across the whole um, the surrounding cities too in that area. Right. Like for instance, in Shan Al Hamma or the Kabus in Leswad, the Absofi Fitrabis Fil Gharb in general, that back in the day we all used to wear the red one. We all used to wear the red one. This is before the 50s and 60s. They did a black one and it just became it just became a little thing that people started wearing in, 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 in yeah, staple in Trabzon, and it just became a fashionable thing to wear. Everyone started wearing it. You know what I mean? It just, it's just fashion and trend at the end of the day. But that nasty human Jamir, like Trabzon and Asma, you know, for like yes. I feel like there's way more nasty khaltu fi fi Trabzon than there is in in Baghazi, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest, as well, well, to be honest, even in Baghazi, there's if you really, really know Baghazi. Like there's a mix in Benghazi. There is Benghazi, like Benghazi. Tell Benghazi. Let's keep it 100. Yeah, Benghazi. Though, like if you go 500 years, that's when it really tested at Benghazi. And most of the families that tested for Benghazi, Aslam and Masrata. Yeah, you know what I mean. And loads of the Shwara for for Benghazi was negative. Benghazi, I mean, that's a big family that Aslam and Masrata. But also, we're not Benghazi. We're not Benghazi. We're not Benghazi. We're not Benghazi. We're not uh, it's a Medina, but it's a mix. Right. All the different type of families that are from everywhere. But if we're talking about Trabz, yes, Trabz is much more. It's the capital at the end of the day. And even when it comes to craftsmanship, it's the capital of that. There's also even a Janab there. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, a, there's business. There's, I feel like compared to Baghazi, like most of the, because it's the Asma, so there's yeah. more like. شركات أجنبية في شركات الصينية والإنجليزية you know the inspiration comes from all over أيوة حتى من يومها طرابلس as well it's always been a mix عندك عندك الناس أصلاً مالطية الناس اللي أصلاً من غريز and even there وعندك الإيطاليين as well yeah راك الإيطاليين كانوا في ليبيا قبل حتى الاحتلال راه before 1911 there was there was Italian families that used to live in طرابلس yeah, and this these things go back from daylight. If you want to look at Libya, Libya is so diverse, and it's been diverse for for centuries. Jews have been living there for centuries. Yeah, and you see, we're going to talk about craftsmanship going back to Fram, etc. The people used to hold most of that were actually Jewish craftsmen. Yeah, uh, Jewish artisans, wasn't it? That was yeah. the majority of the people used to hold that. But, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of like a history within, like. One that I've started to learn more about, like I'm trying to learn more about, is the Libyan yeah. Jewish community. Like a lot of our foods, um, yeah. like like you said, the khayatin kanu Libyan hood. Yeah, yeah. It was a mix in it, but yeah, right. there was a lot of them were Jewish as well. Yeah, yeah. That that's something even, like even I feel like we food, don't know a lot about. Like, even with the food, just like you said, with the food, like harami. Yeah, that's that's originally a Libyan Jewish. Um, food, a dish. You know what I mean? People even say shakshuka too. There's yeah. so many things. We have this thing that my dad makes. Yeah, my dad makes this all the time. My dad's always, you know what it is? Yeah, when my dad's bored and like, oh, when he's tired or whatever, he has these times, but it's so rare and I love it. He starts talk, talking about Libya back in the day. 
<laughs> I swear, how he makes his thing. You know, my grandma used to make it back in there. Oh, my hell, he's so and she used to make this thing called torsi. Sounds weird, I know. But it's this uh it's this like pumpkin spice harissa with olive oil. It's a little side thing. And my dad used to tell me how his uh how his uh, mum used to make it all the time, and my dad makes it ten out of ten. And he's telling me the story of it and how it, they got it from their neighbours, their Jewish neighbours in Denna from Madina Padina. And you realize that like, even these little things, us in Jewish Libyan, yeah. you think to yourself, all oh, this diversity that was around us, and we don't even know, like, you start learning, think, wow, so this is originally from there, and this is originally from there. But at the end of the day, it's all Libyan, you know what I mean? It's Libyan. Yeah. That's the best thing about it, it's all Libyan at the end of the day, because they all make up what Libyan is. Like, um, yeah. Like he used to do khutbah Jum'ah in Jam'ah Naga in Trablis from Medina Qadima. My dad would tell me all the stories and like, like my, my grandfather, like we never, I never got to hear the stories from him because he was, he was sick, but the stories that he's yeah. passed down to my dad, I've heard them. And even from my, from my grandfather, from my mom's side, I've heard a lot of stories about the, the trading and like peak Libya before uh, before 69 yeah, yeah. yeah before 69 <laughs> yeah, yeah. like yeah. there's so much depth within libya that yeah. we we don't see um i'm telling you i'm telling you one thing bro like i'm gonna tell you do this next time when you speak to your dad and this is something i've i've started to do um uh shout out to metal east maddie bro he's he's a motivation if you know who metal east maddie is yeah this man MashaAllah, this guy, he's based in Canada and uh, he's, he's from Yifrin. This man, uh, he has a museum under his house. The, the stuff he has is unbelievable. Anyway, he motivated me when he was saying how Allah his, 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 uh, his father passed away and he used to tell him so many stories from back in the day. And he used to put his phone on the side without his dad really noticing. He wanted <laughs> it to be a natural conversation and he records his dad telling stories of back in the day. And I feel like whenever when he told that every time my dad says something or my mom says something about back in the day, I record them. You know what I mean? Because I feel like these things are so important. Because we as Libyans, we don't we don't write down our history. Yeah, it's been like that for for, for decades. We, it's just, that's how we lose Libyan it. culture. Yeah, we just pass it down orally. So um, yeah, so I just started recording them. But I think you should definitely do that when when your dad speaks about the, your grandfather. Yeah, I need to start doing that. Family. Yeah, trust me. Like my grandfather has stories on about his grandfather, like. My grandfather's grandfather can جماعت مسرات ال تاع الحصن like yeah. you know فرسيه بالضبط like yeah و ولا شو اسمه والجرد you know like جماعة هذيك كان ما فيش لعب ما فيش لعب like كان واعر he tells us stories yeah. like of him and things like that and it's just like like we can only hear it orally you know like ما فيش حاجة مكتوبة yeah. and it's kind of yeah. a little sad you know because there's yeah. so much to learn. That's why it's so hard. Well, like, this goes back to the point of why I feel like with us Libyans, compared to our neighbors, yeah, so much of our history, like, even when you want to just search on Google, like, oh, Libyan history, you <laughs> nothing comes up. Like, yeah. hardly anything comes up. And if something comes up, it'll be like, um, post-69 to 2011. That's it. Or after 2011. Like, that's that's the only thing that it's, it's all about politics yeah. as well. Literally, so, literally everything. Because yeah. there's a Libyan history, like, um, uh, Emil is doing history. 
on um yeah, shout out to Ahmed, bro. That, yo, she's a real one, you know. Mashallah alayha. She, she's doing, she she's doing she history from eleven hundred, I believe, AD to sixteen hundred. Yeah. And like most of the history is not even Libya, it's the MENA region, pretty much. Wow. Mediterranean region wow. region. Yeah. And like even when I go on Google and search it up, like just to like look for, for things like it's most of the history that's on Li- Libya yeah. from that era is just like like calligraphy hardly. and things like that. There's hardly yeah, anything there's that hardly actually talks anything. about history. Yeah. The only time you hear past 1000 AD is like, oh, the invasion of um, of Ben Hillel, Ben That's the only two things that you hear. That's it. But after that, it's like, yeah, Libya just kept it stepping. I yeah. swear to God. But for her to go in-depth research on that, inshallah, I hope, hopefully, yeah. like, inshallah, I hope she um, so she succeeds in that. And I know she will. Inshallah. Uh, what about t- can you talk about like your your repossession of Libyan jewelry like how like and what you've learned pretty much from doing that no do know how I started that yeah um basically I was speaking to this old woman okay and um and I saw this collection of Libyan silver Libyan jewelry and I had a question I asked about the jewelry and I said to her, oh, where do you get this from? And then she goes, oh, this is my personal collection. I was like, what? That's your personal collection? She had it on and display and everything. And I was like, well, I started getting mad interest. I was thinking, yo, what's this? And, um, and she did a, um, an event. It's like a couple of years back. And uh, she did it in, in London. She did a whole display of like old postcards, old pictures of Libyan women wearing uh, the silver and their clothing. And she displayed all these like very rare items of silver, um, and it took place in London. I wish I went, I might regret it if they not going. Um, and I think that's where it kicked off. It kicked off there and now I started becoming so interested in uh, Libyan jewelry. And it was like, it was a learning process. Like I'll be in there learning and understanding Libyan jewelry while I'm buying it. Sometimes, like, even <laughs> when I first started, I, buy, I bought something that was wrong. Like I bought something that didn't have a stamp. So every, every Libyan jewelry, like when you, when you get into this, cause I know barely, those are people asking that. They always say to me, how can I get into this Libyan jewelry thing? So um, one thing that you always need to keep an eye out when you're buying Libyan jewelry is the hallmark. So what is a hallmark? Hallmark is basically a stamp. Like there's Libyan jewelry, it won't leave the Medina Padina unless it's been stamped. Um, verifying that it's over 800 or 900 um, silver, the content of the silvers is 800 or 900 or above. Mm-hmm. And that is a verification of its of the, the the quality, the silver, everything. And the stamp is usually a, which is the logo of uh, of Tripoli. It's a ship. It's a ship, and it's a Nejma with Hilal on top. We see that changes. Sometimes that changes, and it's like some plant motifs as well around the side. But sometimes that changes. Sometimes it's a crown on top, and that says that tells you what that tells you that was during it was made during the, the Italian period. Like each hallmark tells you even the date when it was made, by the way. So you can date back a jewelry piece and be like, okay, looking at this, this was made between 1945 to 1970. Look at this, this is made between 1915 to 1940. I'm telling you, like when you realize how deep it is, you stop finding yourself going down a hole that there's no end to it. It's crazy. I'm telling you, my money's getting blown on this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my money's going broke, you know. I'm trying to do traders. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. I swear, man. I don't even know how I'm going to... I don't know how I'm going to raise a family now. I swear to God. 
I swear. <laughs> where do you even like? Where do you even find them? Like, is it on eBay or is it like? Do you oh, Facebook or? My brother sleepless nights, sleepless nights. You know what it is when you have a passion for something. Yeah, you don't even care how you look. You don't even care if you're not sleeping. You're just spending. Adi, so much time on adi. Adi, adi. At least next week when I get that, yeah, adi. Next week I'm gonna get the fifty. I'm gonna be gassed. But um, well, like most of it is Etsy. Etsy. Even, I'm not gonna lie to you. The Etsy ones, yo, the Etsy ones are a stretch. I swear, the, the Etsy one is a stretch. The Caucasian donies are actually violating because they're, they're charging us ridiculous prices for our jewelry. A thousand pounds <laughs> for my jewelry. Now my grandma, what? You're trying to charge me a thousand pounds? This woman is out here living in, in living. I don't know, Canada or France. Surely. She's trying to charge me a thousand pounds. I swear, I'm telling you, people here are just trying to charge. That's what I'm saying. Like Libyans back home, don't is their deal with our living jewelry? They're melting it. Why Imagine is that? that? Because no one's buying it. Because no one even rates Libyan silver anymore. Like no one really cares for it. There's no, there's no really like there's no demand for it. So they just so wear it for special work. occasions. Exactly. Even when they buy new ones, even the ones that people wear them, they're passed down from their grandparents. Okay. Or they buy them these new ones that they're getting made. But these old vintage ones, I swear they sit down in trays upon trays and they just melt them. I went to Medina, but I didn't want to so good to have. And I was talking to this guy and he saw me pick up a, a salhai. He saw me pick it up and he was like, you know what that is, my brother? He looked at me, he was like, why is this? He's looking at me thinking, why is this guy in a tracksuit? Yeah. <laughs> and he's looking there UK-ish. What's this brother holding this Libby Jew? What does he know about this? So I looked at him and I, said, I picked it up and I said to him, you go shouldn't have I looked at him and I said, I'm going to go to the UK Donny knowing Julian. I went to um Rabis in 2018, 2019, during the winter period. I swear to God, every day. By myself. I used to link up with um, with African Ninja. Afro fruits right now. My brother, my brother, African ninja. I used to go to Medina Qadim. We used to chill there. And I swear there's this guy called uh, it's Mahmoud or Hamad Isma. It's called Ahmed. It has um it has a shop in uh Sina'at, I believe, Tafidia. It has a shop there. I used to chill with him for hours every day. One more I used to chill with old men. I swear you used to just see this guy in a jacket. Yeah, well I'm chilling in the shop somewhere in الحاجات الليبية واللبس الليبي ولازم يردوا هذه وتعرف دوتهم هذا زو حتى like about like Libyan um, how diverse our country is everything you know what it is والله as much as you might research things online having actual genuine conversations with older generation Libyans is where it's at the Libyans who know their stuff is the older generation Libyans have a conversation with them you learn so much from them just sit down and listen just take it in it's crazy فيش كبا ها <laughs> I wish I didn't invite me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's how I started learning Libyan Jewry. So I went to, when I went to Trabis, um, that's when I was like, okay, let me get into this. I bought one piece, but it wasn't stamped. You get me? That was a mistake I did. I didn't check if it was stamped or not. And I went, I came back and I showed it to this uh, woman. Um, well, I took a picture of it, sent it to her. Yeah. This, this is the woman I was speaking about, the older woman. Yeah. And she saw it, she goes to me, oh, it's not stamped. And it looks like it's made out of steel. That's when I was like, oh, okay. That's when that was my lesson learned. And then from there, I just started like scoping it out. 
But going back to your question about like where which platforms do I use? I feel like I'm blabbing on there. Is that me or <laughs> so, so the, the platforms that I use is um, eBay. eBay's a good one. Really? Tell you what, it's all, I've got bad stories for you, I just realized. <laughs> Basically, uh, I was on eBay and um, this woman was selling this Libyan jewelry and I was so gassed and she was selling it for such a cheap price. And uh, I messaged her and I said to her, what other Libyan jewelry do you have? This woman lived in Libya during the 70s, early 70s. And she collected so much Libyan jewelry that she just wanted to sell it. And she sold it in the first lockdown. Um, and she was selling them for cheap. She's, she lives in Wales. Like, come on, bro. A white woman in Wales is selling our jewelry. Just <laughs> and I'm telling you, I beg you, just imagine that. You know what I mean? Your neighbor right now is probably a white white guy and he has something living in his house. You wouldn't even know until one day he goes broke and he wants to start selling his stuff. I swear, it's crazy. So I, was just, I told her, anything and everything you have, give it my way. I'm going to buy it. And I bought like a, I bought a cuff bracelet. I bought a, uh, these earrings. I bought a chlem. I bought Khan, so, so many things I bought from her. This necklace as well that I bought from her. Hwaf that I bought from her. So many things. So many things. But yeah, just trust me. eBay, sit down on eBay for hours. Refine your research as well. Sometimes, you know what it is as well? Most of these ones that I found, they're not even written down as Libyan. They put them down as Berber, Amazir, uh, North Africa, Tunisia, Morocco, Turkish, Ottoman, period, silver. It's like, no, it's Libyan, my bro. It's from Tripoli. You know what I mean? So that's, I just find all the living jewelry like that. They're just named um, under something else. Um, but yeah, that's what I use. And there's this other one as well. There's this other app that I use called Katawiki. But that one's expensive. That one's for the big ballers, I'm not going to lie. But, <laughs> that, I swear to God, because when I, when I first started on that one, it was people were selling Libyan jewelry and I was buying it and I bought a glare from that. Um, and it was cheap. So I bought it for like £20. £20. It's, it's worth way more than that. Um, I bought it for twenty pounds, and there was another piece as well with it. Um, and uh, yeah, but after that, all the other Libyan jewelry pieces that I found was mad expensive, mad expensive. Where did you learn like the different names for it? Did you just like look in books? People, yeah, the women I was speaking to, I forgot her name, man. But um, this is a while back. But she used to tell me the names, and also there's. Um, Medicine Sinihat Taklidiya fi Trablus. They have a uh, place where they teach kids to this day, Libyan jewelry. And I used to always message the guy and tell him, oh, what's, uh, what's the name of this? What's the name of that? I used to ask them so many questions. There's this other guy as well. Um, it's called Ethnic Jewelry. Um, it's a uh, page on Facebook. And there used to be a forum on, on, uh, online. They made a page and I'm telling you, it's just people sharing their collections. And there's this guy Libyan guy, I think he lives in Austria. This man has a room. You know how he, what do they call it? You know that, what do they call it? They, uh, what's it called? Like a men's room. What do they call it? Not a men's room, that sounds like a toilet. Uh, you know, like a, <laughs> like a, like a game room. Like, uh, they really call it like a game room for men. Yeah, like, a man cave. Yeah, a man cave. That's what you might call it. Yeah, man <laughs> cave. So, so this guy has a man cave, but it's all Libyan jewelry and old Libyan postcards and the way he's displayed his things. I'm going to send you pictures later. It is crazy. I'm telling you, I sit down with him and I'm just sending pictures and I tell him, what does this mean? Where did, you, where did you get this? What's this? I'm telling you, that's how you learn. You just ask people and people are willing to share. If you ask the right people, some of them are willing to share with you. And then I take this information because I feel like, nah, I shouldn't bottle this up and keep this information to myself. I should share this with everyone. 
because if I'm learning something, everyone needs to learn this. If I, sometimes I learn something, I feel like I can't keep it in. I need to do a post. I need to share it. I'm <laughs> vintage, vintage leader. I have to. Like everyone needs to know this. But yeah. And you yeah, also started to did you research on living architecture from what you, from what you've told me? So yeah. what have you learned from that? Like what have you seen the differences between the Sharag and the Gharab or just Libyan buildings? Yeah, so I did uh, I did my research, I did a dissertation uh, on Libyan architecture. And uh, so you did it in school. Um, no, yeah, I did it. I did it as my my uh, uni dissertation. Yeah, um, I always wanted to find a way to get my course involved with Libyan culture. You know what I mean? Like I always wanted to bring him bring him together because I felt like it had nothing to do with it. But I used to ask my uh, supervisors and I tell them, well, "Can this work? Can this work?" And they say to me, "Yeah." And I'm telling you, when I was researching online, I was finding so many articles that people have done previously about similar topics that I've, that I've done. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it's called so my my title. Uh, it was called, um, right, so how the adoption of vernacular architecture can lead to sustainable households in Libya. That was my dissertation. And uh, so basically I did this whole research. I'm gonna learn a lot through it. Um, and it's basically the differences within our architecture, east, west, south, Dermis, from Dermis to Ghat, from, from, from there to Kufra, from Kufra to Jalu, from Jalu to Ojila, and Derna, Benghazi, and you realize how much as well. You know it is. You like when you look at our thing, you sometimes oh, this is the this one thing that just annoys me so much. Libya's like Libya, you have the khayma and you have the home, the actual home, like the buildings, like actual buildings. People think when they look at Libya, they just think, oh, barren desert, people live in tents. <laughs> I swear our thing is way more than that. That's still part of our. Um, makeup is still a part of our uh, culture, but there's so much more to that than just just a tent and a camel. You have so much more. Like when you look at the details within, just go to Medina Qadim and look at the details of the houses. You'd be shocked. You'd be surprised. The tile work, the the pillars, everything. You, you think to yourself, why is no one talking about? It? No one. Why is no one taking care of these buildings? Um, but yeah, you realize the difference between how like um, is how they built the the homes in them how they built them how they neg in them is to have these like holes at the top of the on the roofs of the of the streets and how they bring the air in to cool down the whole um, neighborhood the whole area is cooled down using using um natural local air. materials right yeah natural air local materials you know the day that Libyans stopped using their traditional architecture is the day we started using too much okay I swear if we I swear if we go back to our traditional architecture we will reduce the problem uh the the electricity problem we will we will reduce it I personally believe believe that we will you know I mean we Libya for the for the population it is we consume I believe I, I remember doing a a uh, I found a uh, statistic about this. We're like twelfth in the whole world for using the most. We consume the most energy, and we're only six million. And all the bricks we're using, they're not even locally made. It doesn't even go with our temp. It doesn't go with our climate. It doesn't go with our atmosphere. You know what I mean? It it, there's there's nothing about it that goes with it. But if you go back. To a design that has a courtyard in the middle. I'm not saying go back to some 1600s home. I didn't say that, but 
what bring in and try to adapt um, features of traditional Libyan architecture within our homes today and watch the difference. Watch the difference. There, this is, there's someone who did like a whole a survey and he went to Rodermas and he asked the people who live in the new homes in Rodermas compared to the old homes in Rodermas and asked them a few questions. And he said to them, where do you feel more comfortable? And they said in the old homes, he said, where do you feel more cooler? Where do you feel more relaxed and it feels more cooler? He said in the old homes, everyone's pointing to the old homes because they realize there's features within the old homes that goes with that, with, with uh, the climate. Using local materials, using our the, the palm trees, using the mud uh, bricks, using all these things around us. It, it's heavy. It's, yeah, that's Marabi, man. Yeah. Like, and I feel like they didn't, they changed what they do. It's because we got more modernized, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A Turkish home is not going to fit in Libya. Trying to yeah. bring architecture that works in the West and try to implement it in Libya is not going to work. No way. Try right. to take features of what you like from that, but the main features that keep the house cool and keep the temperature low and keep the house sustainable, bring, keep them. All these little features that you want to add, might add it to it too. But to keep a sustainable home, we need to get back to our traditional architecture. We have to. We have to. It's important. Um, but yeah, you were asking about uh, the differences. There's loads of differences as well. But most of the houses that we're talking about, even on the on the on the coast, are very similar. The way they're built are very similar. Like you have the south is like more desert-like, whereas yeah. the north is more on the coast. Exactly, and even there's a way to even build your home for like the desert, uh, for the Ghibli, for the heat. For everything so um when you go even when you just go to jabinafusa jabinafusa the demos the homes in Ghurian and the rest of jabinafusa underground homes oh yeah i've you seen know, the pictures it, of that it's outside outside the temperatures the temperatures like 35 degrees 40 degrees inside the rooms are like 15 15 yeah. 20 it's so much more cooler I think people I've, just go back to the traditional architecture trust me there's a massive difference i think i've seen it in i forget where it's in Jabal Nafusa. Yeah. I follow on Instagram. Uh, she's a Mazghiya, Jbaliya. Yeah. I forget from where. What's her name? Uh, Wait, I think I know who you're talking about. The girl with a, with a, with a best. She's a photographer. Um, story. Oh, she's a photographer. Is it Nada? Nada, yeah. Nada. Is it she, Nada? I believe she went and she went and did the, 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 she did an Instagram story on like going through the caves and whatnot. And it just looked, yeah. Like absolutely beautiful. Like you know, uh, I think it's Cappadocia in Turkey. It's very, very yeah. similar to that. Very similar yeah. to that. Yeah. And I don't yeah, see is, you hardly is. ever like if you go Google it on like if you go Google it, you're not gonna find any pictures on Google Images. You're gonna find one and you're gonna find a picture and the picture's gonna have like a broken vase in it. Like it's the worst, like it's the worst picture ever. And the picture's like from 2003. I'm telling you, it's like the worst pictures ever. But um, definitely, um, trust me, if we, even if we just take care of these buildings that we have now, especially these old buildings, we need to focus, you know, talking about. Right. Rebuilding, like, focus on, uh, yeah. Re, yeah re, we, what is it called? When you you preserve restore, history, restore. restoration. Restore, yeah, not even refurbishment, restoration. Ministry for restoration. We don't, we really don't. And the thing is, these buildings are actually protected by the government. 
that actually protected by but people, but obviously no one's enforcing the law, so people are just taking advantage. Right. Have you seen what they did to the Ghazala? It's modernization, I think that's what ruined that. You know, nah, it's not, I would even just say it's modernization, I would say it's a lack of. How do I say this? It's like a lack of understanding of, of our history and culture. Like we, uh, I always feel like you know, is I'm not not just to generalize or anything, but I always get that sense like people don't feel like even they look at Libda, you look at Leptus Magna, you look at Shahab. Yeah. This is our history. Yeah. This is our history, bro. Like the people who made these things were native Libyans. Yes, the rulers were probably Roman, even. What's what's his name? Septimus Severus. Is that his name? The one, I don't even the know. one who was born. He was born in in Libda, and he died in Yorkshire. A famous um, Roman emperor Roman right. was half was half Libyan. I mean, come on, like our history is so deep, so deep, and people need to understand that everything that's made in Libya, like everything that's in Libya, is part of our culture, part of our identity, part of everything. That's why you can't just put Libya onto them just in this bracket. You can't. You really there can't is there, li- there is Libyan historians that I've seen. Like I feel like the Western world doesn't look into it because yeah. either Arabic or they don't. They don't want to translate it or they don't want to work towards it. And, mm. and it's very hard to go to Libya because yeah. even even pre two thousand eleven, it was very hard to get a Libyan visa. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But they don't go to Libya and do their research because of how difficult it is to get to the country, and even yeah. now more so. That it's difficult, you know. Yeah, but no, you know what, bro? Like, born, born these Western researchers, born these Western researchers. Bro, there is so Libyan researchers, though. There, there is. So I've seen it. Them. Right. Yeah, there's so many of them. They just, they just need to be funded more. They need to be helped more. And there's so many of them that constantly, every day, I follow this page called Save Our Libyan History. There's this Libyan guy. Every, they even brought him Muhammad Salam. Every day he talks about a new place where it's been um, looted or they've, they've. They've uh, demolished something, and he's always talking about we need to protect these um, these sites, and people are just destroying them. And he's always banging on about it and talking about it. And he's the one who's always on. Bro, one time he discovered a, I think it was in Ainsley, he discovered this Roman. Um, was uh, he the one in Al Jazeera? There's a there's a gentleman on Al Jazeera and Setesmane, Len Setesmane. Mm. He he spoke on like Libyan history, like he spoke on, in I forget where. The history of olive oil in Libya. I don't know if you've seen that. I'll send it your way. Oh, wow. Inshallah. No, I didn't see that. They're, I didn't see that. They're making olive oil by hand to this day. I forget where. In, in, uh, in Tarhuna. Tarhuna Msalata. That's the main Msalata. 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 Especially when it comes Bizzabot. to olive oil. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. That's why them might live to 150. They live to Everything they make is from, from the land. They talk. Everything they eat is from the land. Bizzabot. For this Libyan historian... He talks about the history of Msalata and the history of olive oil within Msalata. You know, yeah. like, the, I, you know what? If it wasn't for Jazeera, I wouldn't have known about my own history. Yeah, like, it's crazy. It yeah, took crazy. Jazeera to speak on this for me to understand more I'm about not, this. I'm not going to lie. There's so many good documentaries on Jazeera. You know? right, there is. No, there is. Good, there is. You come across some good ones, you know. They even had one with this um, Sita Ismail. Um, oh, I forgot his name. Actually, I've got him as a friend on Facebook. <laughs> 
but they did <laughs> they did an interview with him and he took him around Medina Padina. Um it was a full black. By the way, let's not stop stop calling it Bedla Arbiya, please. Let's call it Bedla Libya. That's what's wrong with me. Can we stop calling it Bedla Arbiya? I'll change my ad on Instagram, <laughs> don't worry. Oh, oh my God. I just, I just remembered. Oh my God. Now you I'll change it. I'll change it. I'll change it. I'll change it. Yeah, please, man. Bedla Libya, man. What, what's something you've learned through your history on Libyan culture? Like, obviously, we've spoken on a lot right now, but what's something yeah. like that you want to emphasize or you feel like not many people know it? There's so much. There is so much. Diversity. We're just diverse. We really are diverse. Before you're quick to judge someone from the way they speak or quick to judge someone from the way they dress, or the way they do their da, or the way they do their شعر في يلبس في الكردية ولا كيف يتكلم ولا كيف يأكل ولا كيف يدبي وكيف يلبس في الشنطة وشنو وكالة وشنو لازدي before you do all these realize that our country is one of the biggest countries in Africa you know what I mean you need to realize how diverse it is from north to south to east to west we are so diverse and we should we should we should we should we should like we should we should love this diversity because Without it, we'd just be a we just be in a boring country. We just everybody exactly the same. You would want a country that's everybody exactly the same. <laughs> our languages, we have several languages in Libya. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah, you won't. You won't. The Wikipedia page doesn't give us anything. Oh, I'm on the Wikipedia page. I swear to God that Wikipedia page, yeah, but <laughs> no, nah, it doesn't give us no justice. No justice. No justice. Definitely no justice. And that's that's why through Vintage DB, I try my best to um, highlight the diversity. I feel like pre-2011, yeah. me yeah. personally, because yes, I was younger. Then I could suffer when the And yeah, I was young as well. I didn't know anything about like the different cultural groups within Libya. Yeah. Like... Like the, the different Amazir, the different languages, the different cultures, you know, but then... بعدين مرة طلعت فاست طورة طلعت غناية من forget where طلعت انشهرت وما فهمت شيء منها <تصفيق> and then I asked like I asked my mom and my mom was yeah. like oh you know your friends هديكم I was like yeah he's like they're she's like they're جبلية they yeah. speak a different language and and then I and then I just that's when I clocked it that we have different people I always thought because they spoke Arabic, they didn't know, and they had Arabic, and they were in the end. It's so crazy. There's actually old men. I remember someone telling me this. He was telling me he knows old people that live in Jebel and To this day, they don't even speak Arabic at all. Yeah. They, they only were forced speak... to later on yeah. in history without going yeah. into it. Like in, before yeah. that, like they, like they had... Their identity, everything was 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 hidden away, and was they yeah. tried their best to destroy their culture, but they can't. They fully can't. That's the best thing about this because right now, to this day, they can speak their language freely. Obviously, there's so many things that need to be changed. It to be it needs to be implemented within. That's the only way to save it. Right. The only way to protect it needs to be implemented within within um within the within the dastur and within the complete dastur. Inshallah. Inshallah. Well, within the. Uh, Within the there's hope the, the official languages of Libya. 
there's definitely hope. I've alhamdulillah no, right now we're seeing changes no, slowly, slowly. For there is hope for a new Libya. There is you know what? One thing I tell you as well about vintage Libya, the way it exposed me to. Wallahi, one thing it's exposed me to the amount of creative there are in Libya. Sorry. Just Libya alone, by the way. Right. There's so many of them. There's so many of them, so many artists, so many musicians, so many, so many, uh, just different types of people and they're all creative in their own way. I swear it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people had to bro, just even making a little macchiata, bro. That's a that's a that's a that's a that's a little art by itself, bro. I'm telling you. When you come when you come to money, shout me for that. You got you know I'll, I'll have that on deck. But uh, nah, for real, man, there's so many creative people, and that's one thing that I'm gonna just leave it for you. Like I just saw so many people and I just thought to myself, wow, we have so much potential, so much potential. Never mind so, the people or the Libyan people who live outside of Libya. There's so many of them. Yeah. And that's yeah. what this is all about, right? Like, exactly, like exactly, exactly. 2018, like, that's when I opened my eyes to, like, this entire world of Libyan creatives. Like, like everything. There is a one thing that they don't do. Yeah. Everything they do is amazing. Not one thing they put their hands on and they advance and they better themselves. Or like, like, صاير لهم مشاكل غادي لكن قاعدين مستمرين على نفس ال they continue yeah they continue they don't stop they don't stop for nothing they don't stop for nothing I respect them so much we're out here we're comfortable we're privileged out here they're over there alhamdulillah they're over there in the middle of everything and they're still creating and they're still going with it they're still doing art shows they're still producing artwork they're still Doing stuff for the youth. It's Allah, inshallah. Inshallah, I'm telling you. I would say amazing things. You know what? Like, will. The younger generation, they've changed Libya as a whole. There's so many initiatives yeah. nowadays. You know, Libyana, Libyana is now funding Libyan artists. I don't know if you really? knew that. Yeah. I didn't they, know, that. Uh, no, I didn't know They that. started a project with, with two Libyan artists that I know. Uh, Ayub being one of them and another one named Big Sino they made yeah. merch together like they funded Ayub to make the artwork and then they put uh, they sponsored Big Sino like it's yeah. slowly Mashallah, becoming Ayub something Ayub totally different yeah. Mashallah alayhum, like Libya is becoming a whole new world when inshallah with the advancements of different things uh, within the country it's going to be something we've never seen like it's it's a whole new yeah. Libya especially with this younger generation Alhamdulillah You know? And the best thing is about your your well, your your platform that you have right now as well. You are featuring these people and you're putting them on. Inshallah, that, that's the goal. Showcasing their, their skills and their work and their, trust me, it's the best thing you've done, Inshallah. And Inshallah, keep going with it. Inshallah, inshallah. keep going with it. But, but real talk, it's it's exposing us to people that we didn't, we didn't even know about as well. Right. Yeah, definitely. Everybody deserves for their. For their artwork, for they their deserve artwork. recognition. Artwork. They really do. Yeah, for real. they, do. Yeah. they do everything for everything. Yeah. So you feel like your research has changed your perspective on Libya as a whole, pretty much. It has. It has. It really has. I just, it's. I, you just realize it, the thing is, my the research, if you want to call it research, like it just doesn't stop. It never stops. Every day I learn something new, and I keep thinking to myself, 
this country has so much potential. This country is so diverse. Imagine if we just open up tourism and leave it. Imagine. Just imagine the amount of tourism. Like, Zikrana, wouldn't even, yeah, Zikrana, wouldn't even need how the Muslim, like the Muslim architecture and history, yeah, uh, like enrooted within Andalusia, is still there yeah. to this day and preserved. So exactly. it's opened up Spain to so many Muslims because of the history within that area. Yeah, they make so much money. They make so much money just from Alhamra. From Alhamra alone, they make so much money off it. Right. And they're not even Muslim. And they preserve that history and that culture. And right. they take it on as if it's their own. You know if I mean? we could do that. But... If we do that. Instead of just label, labeling everything, oh, la la, what is Libyan then? All of this is part of Libyan, part of the Libyan culture, part of the Libyan identity. All of it, because everything was made by Libyans. Everything, all right. the, even even the Italian buildings that people are so quick to, to want to want wanted to demolish and want to destroy, the people who made them were Libyans. You know what I mean? The laborers were Libyan. Okay, the architect was Italian. And the laborers were Libyan. The people who excavated Libya were Libyans. Because who else is going to do the research if not us, right? Ex- exactly, exactly. The Tariq is Sahel that connects the, 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 north, uh, the north coast of Libya, the, from Baghazi to, to Trabzon. all of that. Who, who, who built that? Libyans. You know what I mean? Libyans built that. I'm telling you, like, we need to realize all of these things is what makes us living. It's all part of our history. Part of our we need to we need to start protecting and um, and putting more money our into it. Yeah, we need to safeguard our history more than anything right now. The most important. I know we have got so many other things to care about. I know this is probably like me living outside in the West and talking about this is like, yo, y'all worried about some next things, bro. We've got so many <laughs> other things to worry about. But like, if we don't talk about it, then when the time thing is all going to be gone, so it's important to talk about it. I guess we can balance more than one thing. Um, but like Allah was the saying, thing the thing we can is, do is talk and make posts about it. So. Right, because the thing is, like Allah was saying, like there's in psychology, there's a bunch of needs that you need to fulfill, yeah. and that's not one of them. Because lazm akil, who like safety, health, those things are more important to them, because like yeah. because of the things that they're going through at the moment. Yeah, that's true. No, it's, it's absolutely true. But that's why, like Alhamdulillah, we have the privilege on speaking on these things because we yeah. Alhamdulillah we have all those things. I don't have to worry that like I'm not going to be able to do an assignment or I can't post something because you know I don't have to yeah. worry about that Alhamdulillah. like Allah privileged yeah. me with living outside of Libya yeah they're still doing it in Libya right, so but we have awareness more. is important as well realizing right. that you've got these things is important too as much as you might be involved in this whole thing or like we want to protect this and want to protect that but it's important to realize that at the same time the only reason I can speak about these things freely without worrying about anything else is because I live here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I mean, there's something in Libya, but it's not like we are yeah. outside. Yeah, exactly. But the, the thing is, well, like, even regardless, even in Medina Qadima right now, the, the, the refurbishing and uh, restoring some of the old buildings in, in, in the Medina Qadima, they're doing it to this day right now. So some of them still, like, are the grind don't best. stop. Yeah, the grind don't stop. And in more time as well, they're not even funded by no uh, government. It's all funded by 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 uh, the people who live in the area. You know what I mean? So, Shalalim, I think what, what are they called? I forgot what they're called. Um, they, they have a page on um, on Facebook. Um, 
Facebook, you lost me. Like if it was a page on Instagram, I definitely remember the name. I'm telling you, bro, that everything, yeah, everything's on Facebook. You'd be surprised. I'm stuff you find on Facebook. It's unbelievable. There's so many things on, on Facebook. Uh, but um, yeah, it's on Facebook. I think it was like Uncle Medina Kabina Brothers or something. It was like I can't remember like, exactly what it was. But right now, they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot. What's even, the even best? Like down, even in the desert. Yeah. I'll continue on with the Khdams. I want to hear this. Oh, you want to hear about it? Yeah. <laughs> they're, doing the, they're doing the same thing too. They're, they're trying to uh, restore the old buildings in the Khdams too. Painted um, Fast and the old gem and uh, gem and Atiq and Khdams. There's so much uh, restoration projects that take, that take place there, but it's only funded by the locals. There's no pure funding. So it's like, it's like restoration that Meshit had like. Because they don't be have enough money to do when it. The time, yeah. yeah. When the time is right and we settle and we can, it will come. But it's like, Meshing head type of restoration, I guess. Well, they're trying it's and they're, they're, they're doing their best. It's better than nothing. How did Mushkinah? People who genuinely care. Mm. Yeah, there's no resources, exactly. And the thing is, I'm not going to lie to you as well, when it's like, when it's when it's very important buildings and it's historic buildings, um, like certain things should be left for experts. You know what I mean? When the time comes, inshallah, but certain things should be left for experts. We should not be... Um, because so, so many people act like they can re, re, restore buildings and touch things that they shouldn't be touching. Like, leave it to the experts. Leave it to the people who understand um, this building and the details of the building and uh, the tiles, the flooring, the roof, the ceiling, everything about it should leave it to, to the professionals. It's, 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 it goes back to the Nafurat to al-Ghazal, the, to the same thing. That was so annoying. When I saw that, I was so annoyed. Do you feel like it's because they don't teach that? And like, I don't feel like, I, at least I don't know personally. I don't know if they teach that in Libya as a as a as yeah. a major. You know what I mean, Mafish? Here yeah. you can go into school for like. No, there is. I do believe there is. Yeah, now there is. I I think there is. You know, I think there is. I have come across it before. They do. They do teach it. They do. But, for just the means of people, it's not those people aren't the ones doing the restorations then. Exactly. That's the problem. Exactly, exactly. So, well, what's the best? Inshallah, what's the best means of research in order to learn about Libya? Like, where have you found your more most? Like, is it like you said, the older people, or think if you Yeah. So, it's a mix of both. So, you know, what? one place I'd recommend everyone to go to. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this the name correct, but it's called Darf. D-A-R-F, publishers. Those guys um, republic, uh, re, um, what's the word? Uh, like they re, uh, it's like several editions of these books that they do. Um, Libyan books. So Tripoli, the Mysterious. They have that book there. They sell it for like 10 or 15 pounds. Go buy that book. You'll learn so much from them. You see, these type of places, they sell actual books about Libya, uh, about the history um, there's another one I'd recommend people to read as well Narrative of a 10 Years Residence at Tripoli by uh, what's her name? Uh, what's her name? Something, something Tully Richard Tully oh it's a guy I forgot I thought it was a woman but um, those type of books people should look for and buy and um, they should go on their website our publishers they have a branch in um, in uh, in London and yeah, they sell books stock. online? Yeah, they do sell them online as well. For the journey books as well, really good place as well. I, th- I think for the journey books or for the journey uh, bookstore, 
is connected to Dark Publishers. I think the two are connected. I think we even made a post about it because someone's relative uh, was the person behind um, for the journey books, and we posted it on your vintage media, um, which uh, which people should check out and read. It's, it's very interesting. But yeah, um, books online, you'll find them. But searching oh Libyan book history, trust me, I ain't gonna find none because <laughs> they, they, they're not named like that. You know what I mean? You're not gonna find <laughs> I swear, I've tried it. I've been through. it. I've tried to search Libyan book, uh, Libyan history. Libyan, nah, none of it comes up. So you just gotta like search specific names. And then there'll be recommendations for other books that will come with it, come along with it. Um, the Secret of the Sahara, the Kufra one, uh, that was about this was an English woman who travelled to um, to Kufra, and she went to see the Sunusi uh, stronghold in both Jagabub and Kufra and surrounding areas. That's a really good book that people should buy too. Um, there's so many. There's so many. There's architecture and tourism in Italian colonial Libya. That's a book I have as well. That's that's a really good book too. Um, for the, for the ones who are interested in Libyan silver, more time, there's this book called Jebel Jewels of Libya. That was a really good one. I've, imagine how I found this book. I found this book, how? Yeah. I found it in a Greek um, library. That's where I found it, online. And the page was all in, yo, listen, I'll tell you the struggle. Wallahi, I'll tell you the struggle. No one understands the struggle, yeah? Everything I find is never in English or Arabic. Everything, <laughs> even Greek, German, Italian, French and I will lawyer. I copy paste the link and I go onto Google and obviously Google has this automatic translation button yeah. and they just translate the whole page and I'm putting my card details thinking am I going to get finessed or not obviously when you're doing a page that's not in your language you're thinking nah this, this is not a of finesse and I bought this book and re- after like two weeks the book arrived and the book is half in Greek and half in, in English and it's about this woman who lived in Libya in the 60s and she collected all this Libyan jewelry and she made a book about taking uh, she broke it down every Libyan jewelry piece and what's his name and where it's made and who wears it and oh my god there's there's this book yeah uh what's it called what it's called it's called libyan jewelry or let me try to find the name this book is getting sold for 200 pounds or more online and it was published in uh in the 90s and they never they never made another copy um what's it called uh, it's called libyan jewelry a, ju- a a journey through symbols that book for anyone who's interested in Libyan jewelry, that is a book with so much detail. It breaks down every Libyan jewelry piece, the name, the origin. You know, they don't even you know. By the way, most of these Libyan jewelry symbols that we have, even within our culture, I know people say to me, "Oh, nothing." Uh, what's, what's the word people will say? Uh, what's the what's the word people will say when they say to you, "Khmeiz," or like "Tafain"? You're asking the wrong guy. All these man we come from everyone, everyone comes from my neck. I swear to, I swear to God when I put it on on Vintage Libra and I make a pose and he's like, oh stuff for Allah, brother. You're here promoting uh what did he say? I'm just trying to share a little post about our culture, man. Take it easy. The thing <laughs> is, these symbols they date back, I'm not gonna lie, loads of them date back to even pre-Islamic days. You know what I mean? Like some of them are very, very old. Like so much of our culture dates back to way before them. You'd be surprised. I'm telling you, our history goes back for thousands of years. And to this day, people wear it and people wear our silver and jewelry to this day, Libyan women. And and it's already yeah, for thousands of years. Yeah, people don't know. It's deep. Our history is deep. It's so deep. But yeah, that book that I told you about, that one is, is mad expensive, but the details within it is unbelievable. To this day, I'm still trying to find it. 
Uh, I found some some person put it on like on our, on our Facebook page and just pictures of it. The details were unbelievable. It goes breaks down hallmarks and the date of the hallmarks and who made this. You know, even sometimes when you get a hallmark, you have the hallmark of Tripoli and you have a stamp with the name of the person who made it. So you have a name of like Muhammad or or whatever, like um, Abdurrahman or something. That's where you find the stamps next to it. And it's these these jewelry pieces. The people who made them have probably died ages ago. <laughs> I swear you're carrying things. That's why I like this collective thing because. It's a piece that you're never going to see ever again. And this, this level of artwork and this level of craftsmanship doesn't exist anymore. It's died out. It doesn't exist anymore. People can't Because it doesn't anymore. That's the sad thing is. But if one life tourism open, trust me, the amount of money I'll make is unbelievable. come on. You'd be a fee for swar. You'd be a fee for a thousand pounds. Come on. You're telling me these Libyan guys, if they don't, if they don't, take advantage and they obviously they wouldn't know but if people told them and educated them trust me you can make so much money of these uh these collectors these foreign collectors outside in the west but obviously i beg you finesse them too don't give them the proper stuff that's real yeah yeah fully we'll start it maybe hopefully the journey continues because there's you've like from you right now I've learned so much like imagine if if this conversation continues yeah. I feel like there's way more that you've learned trust me bro I'm glad that you feel like you've you've, you've learned something because I feel like I feel like I haven't said anything else la, la. Like, oh. I hopefully there was anything to, benefit from to Libyan jewelry oh. Hallmark I didn't even know there was <laughs> anything like that you know yeah. you know I didn't know there was Western, yeah. you know, there's so yeah. much to learn. Yeah. There's so much, like, hatta the small little things, like, to ta'allam halba minha, you know? Yeah, you and do, you do. You know, when you just go through the process of buying it, and you go yourself, is even better, because you learn from it. And the person who sells sells them to you has a story behind it as well. Like, I bought a kurdiya there. Kurdiya is a mafiyah fashar. Mughalbis is a mafiyah farm. Going back to faramin. Wallahi, we have over five types of faramin, by the way. Five types of faramin for both the men and the women. See that I didn't know. You see that? You see, I swear to you, there's so many different types of Faramin. There's so many types of Jiradi, Jirad, Ulhuli, Semufi as well. Um, there's different types of them. There's different types of um, different types of how and the Kataghiya Misratiya, huh? So the Kataghiya Misratiya the Shorat. So many different types of hats. Shannad, Buskul. My dad's very interested in that kind of stuff, you know, like yeah. the differences between the, you know, one thing I feel like, like you, a lot of people know probably, but there's, there's a winter jert and there's a summer jert. Oh yes. Yes. One's is. thinner yeah. and the color is a little like one's yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, um, this is not me being anything. Yeah. I know people are going to say, yo, Mo's a mad monarchist and I'm like, leave me, leave me alone. But yo, I tell you, the people used to rock the summer jerd perfectly was, was the Sunusiya. Go back and look at any picture of the Sunusiya wearing a jerd, and it'll be the thin. Malik Idris' uh, pictures are, are heat. Ooh, that guy. The fit pics are brazy. <laughs> Yo, when he comes and wears the, 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 the barnous and how he wears it. Oof, 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 oof. No one's like him when he comes to wearing our stuff. I'm saying like this. He, you know what I like about it? Besides the whole politics and everything. Wallahi, he was just a representation of our culture. He wore our clothing with so much, so much class. You know what I mean? So much class. The way he held it, the way he wore everything. It's just, you just think to yourself, wow. 
Oh, the Instagram page dedicated to his fit pics. Yo, he need, yeah, for real. He needs a page <laughs> just for him. I swear. And that might not even be enough. Tarhat, that's bro. Honestly, there's yeah. so many little things that yeah. we we just need to uh, like just نتعلموها because كلو إحنا متعلمناش صغارنا مش حيتعلموا بعدين. He will. You know. Yeah, if we don't do it, he will. You know, sometimes I even go through it. Like I'm not gonna lie, sometimes I have my downs with the page. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm like, it gets. Re- you know, it's one thing I find very important, my bro. I'm gonna say this to you. Is like never turn anything that you like and it's a passion. And it starts feeling like a, like a routine. Job. Yeah. So when it comes to feeling like a job, allow it. Take a break. You know what I mean? Sometimes I take a break from something for a week or two until I find my feet again, boom, and I get back onto it. You know what I mean? So it's important to take a break from something that you fully like. You know what I mean? Um, but um, that just like you said, it's like sometimes when I'm talking about taking a break, why I even said that was because... Um, Sometimes I sit back to myself and I say to myself, you know what, this is getting a bit jarring. I can't do this no more, man. I've got a thousand things I'm trying to do. Because sometimes I seem like I'm just chilling, kicking back, living life, just collecting books. <laughs> I don't see something about come like that. But bro, I've got a thousand things on my head. I swear that, I swear that I'm picking up a book. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to read this later on and leave. And I don't even read it because I have a thousand things I'm trying to do. Handik mother, so handik manafshin ho, handik. Yeah, there's so many things you're trying to do. But sometimes you sit back and you say to myself, you know what, nah, this is a passion. And you think to yourself, this is bigger than you. You know what I mean? You think to yourself, if I'm not going to do this, who's going to do this? You know, what I mean? nice. you know, yeah. you know because you get like a, sometimes, I swear, life, sometimes I get like an imposter syndrome. I swear <laughs> that I feel like a mad imposter, bro. I feel like, nah, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve what. But sometimes you need to think to yourself, nah, man, I, I worked for this. I grafted for this. I put this in my places here. So, you know what I mean? You just the need to read yourself. Everyone should read themselves in everything they do. Huh? The beauty is you're teaching diaspora Libyans and not even that. I have friends who are not Libyan, of course. Yeah. I am living outside of Libya. And there's only so much history you could teach them from what you've learned. Right? Yes. From what I've learned myself. Yeah. Sometimes visually, when it's visual pictures, it's so much better for them to exactly. learn. Exactly. And it's always yeah. in English. You have like us that are living outside of Libya that have such a wide variety of people yeah. because of you you know that's the alhamdulillah wallahi alhamdulillah I'm glad that's even possible you know wallahi that's the reason why I even done it like that because I was like I wanted to reach to everyone I swear I get DM'd every day like I never knew this is what this is Libyan culture wow Libyan culture is so beautiful Da-da-da. obviously I ain't looking for no no verification of them or like the, <laughs> the tick from them they can i don't but just seeing people coming to see like oh wow i'm learning so much from your page and i'm not even libyan i'm thinking to myself wow we're reaching people who are not even libyan and they're learning stuff about our culture it's a good thing as well because when you deep it with with the political situation and how libya is painted in the media when you do these type of things it shows them the flip side of libya and how libya is the beauty wow yeah you do man you see a completely different uh, side to libya yeah, there's so much more to it. So much. Allah Muhammad. I really appreciate you being here. Vintage Libya, bigger than everything. I appreciate. I appreciate you having me here. I appreciate you even doing this with me, man. I appreciate you. But now, like now, you've deeped my interest. And like I, I, like I've, I got a list. One of my friends is doing her dissertation on Libyan history. I forget what era. I forget what her topic is. But she gave me a list of books, and I'm inshallah gonna look into it. Death, bro, there's so many books that you should look into. There's so many. Like, 
Camels through Libya, Tripoli the Mysterious, um, Cave Dwellers and Citrus Growers. That's about the Jewish community in Ghurian and Jebel Nafusa. Well, there's Jews in, in an Arab land. There's, there's so many books that you can read and there's more than, there's loads. And there's Children of Allah, if you ever come across, that's a really good book, man. I like me personally, I like to get the first editions, isn't it? So I usually just try to collect the first editions. I'm not really trying to sell, I'm trying to sell um, first edition books as well soon. I'm trying to do that soon. Um, I don't know if you saw it on my story. I did like a whole yeah. asking people if they wanted, if they want to yeah, see yeah. that or not. Or another thing, the Maluf in, in Libya, that's a good book too. And who else? Actually, you know, since we're here talking about what people should, there's this um, Shilisma. People know him. He's called uh, Bin Kapo. I'm going to find it out. Ma'am, Shallah Ali. Shallah Ali, he's... He does so much, so much for the Libyan history, so much for Libyan culture too. Uh, Ibn Kato, yeah. So he... People see him on, 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 uh, on Twitter too. They've done this um, little... Um, it's a book on Amazon. You can buy it. It's called Lemna. It's spelled as L-A-M-M-A. And it's like um, a journal, journal of Libyan studies. Um, I don't know. I've only bought the first one that they published. And it's like um, the contents are like uh, about Libyan history, um, the different language practices of young men in Tripoli. What else? There's, it's such a diverse book with so many um, chapters. Different, different Libyan historians and researchers are in this in this book as well. So people should definitely check out Lemna. And um, yeah, definitely check that one out. Check, you know, you've come across Farashi as well. I feel on, like I on have. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, mashallah, yeah, she does so much research as well. And the Libyan studies that she does, she's got like a whole, um, what's it called? She has a whole, um, she, she drops articles all the time. And the topics are so interesting that she talks about, mashallah, yeah, she does a really good thing. You know the whole thing about Libyan deportees? She did, she did one that was very detailed. And she even came to Manchester. She done a, um, she done a, um, a, uh, what's the word? I, forgot the word. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot what the word is. Um, a paper? Uh, research? No, not a paper. No, no, no. She Survey? A, uh, ah, when you do up a slideshow and I was it called, man? Presentation? Yeah, presentation. Yo, <laughs> I am stiff with English. Sorry, um, you know, what's more time, what's funny, I think people will probably listen to this because this guy is rubbish, bro. He doesn't speak. <laughs> but uh, uh, there's so many amazing people, inshallah, we'll have them on here soon, inshallah. Inshallah, 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 inshallah. inshallah you will. Jazakallah khair, Muhammad. I really appreciate uh, you being here and I appreciate you talking on this, for real. Nah, man. I appreciate you having me on here. Thank you so much and keep doing what you're doing, inshallah. Keep inshallah. doing what you're doing. Keep moving forward. Inshallah. Blessings, inshallah. Inshallah, my name is Zahreddin Treki, and this has been a very special episode of Kulna Tuhaf. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa ashat li biyaharra.